Well, welcome everyone. And uh, hopefully you all had a good lunch. Um, I'm Michael Robbins with Eptura. We are sponsoring this booth, so we're grateful for all of you to be here with us today. Um, our, we are located over there and our welcome questions and conversations, Eptura. We are rebranding as part of iOffice, Space IQ, Archibus, and we are, uh, Eptura is now, the brand is the epicenter of the future of the workplace. Um, and so we're fortunate to be here sponsoring. We've met a lot of you. Uh, and and I have the pleasure of introducing today's speaker, Tango, which we we share a lot of uh, similar. We're in those very similar conversations when we're talking to the clients, both either users of Tango or iOffice. But uh, I think you're really going to be in for a treat. They have a lot of great things to share today. I let me just real quick. I have there we go. Um, today's presentation is titled How to Connect People and Place and Make Informed Data-Driven Space Decisions. And so today you're going to be presented with Torrance Houlihan and Brett Sample. So I'll go ahead and turn the time over to you and uh, thank you. Yeah, thanks everybody. Uh, thanks for joining us. Can you hear me okay? It's a little, the, the acoustics are a little weird. You can't hear the mic from back here. Um, but thank you for uh, joining us today. I know you have a lot of options, a lot of things that you could have been doing, so we really appreciate you taking the time. Um, as mentioned, uh, Torrance Houlihan, I head up customer success for Tango. Brett Sample uh, leads sales and our space module at uh, Tango. So uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about this from our perspective. The topics we're going to delve into are broad. There have been a lot of sessions on the, these topics over the last few days. Um, I hope we're not going to cover too much ground you've already been over, um, but we are going to try to address things from a very specific data collection standpoint as we move forward together. Um, the subtitle for this conversation today is moving beyond the hybrid workplace to what is generally called the intentional workplace. Um, and I think some of you probably have heard that term over the last couple days, the intentional workplace. Uh, so to start off, I just want to level set. This should be table stakes right now. Everyone should have a really good understanding of what the hybrid workplace is, right? Um, this is a great definition if you're not familiar with it. Uh, but it was a flexible model that supports a blend of in-office, remote, and workers on the go. It offers employees autonomy to choose this is mom and apple pie. This is the stuff that got us through the pandemic because we were planning for this. We thought it was going to be great. We had everything worked out. Uh, so we, this is what we, we were sold or what we believed we were going to get. It was going to be a piece of cake. We were going to do all of our work. Everything was going to be good. Uh, what we were given was some ideas. It was, hey, do your personas and think about your floor plans and change your space design. So we got all these ideas and these ingredients. But if your workplace looks anything like our workplace, it kind of looks like this right now. Uh, we're, we're sitting there and it's uh, kind of empty and kind of a mess uh, because it didn't go the way we thought it was going to go. So we took a step back and we said, okay, what's going on with hybrid? Let, let's really dig in and let's talk about what's going on with hybrid. And one of the first things I think everyone is hearing and understanding about hybrid in today's workplace is that, um, it, it, these are not my quotes, these are quotes off the internet, uh, a minefield of unfairness. And there have been a couple conversations over the last few days about this, which were really, really insightful. It's unfair in terms of 
age age differences, gender differences, educational differences, physical ability differences, all of these different things that that are coming into the mix that are making it unfair. There's technology unfairness. You know, who's in the room and who's remote and just all these things that are really bubbling up and are causing some real problems in the workplace. And this one kind of surprised me. Uh, when they were surveying these hybrid workers and they said it was more emotionally draining than being fully remote because now you have to balance and get in the office and do all these things and more taxing than just being in the office all the time. This is not what we wanted at all when we set out to think about the hybrid workspace and all the work that we did planning and getting us here. Um, and this one, this was the real gut punch that made me really think about the topic for this conversation. Uh, this is CNN or Forbes or somebody, I don't remember who it was, a failure of leadership. I don't know about you, but I take that really personally um, because that's not at all what we wanted. We all did a lot of work thinking about this, planning for this, doing the due diligence that we thought was going to be necessary to engage people post-pandemic and bring people back to the workplace in a really great, effective way, but we're not really there. So what's, what does it mean? Do, do, do we throw the baby out with the bathwater? No. I think there are a lot of great ideas out there about the hybrid workplace. And I do think the personas are great. And I do think the different work styles and work environments are great. And that we need to continue doing those things. But people didn't come back to the office the way we expected them to come back to the office. So now we need to think about, okay, hybrid wasn't it. It's part of it. But it wasn't enough. I think what is necessary but not sufficient. That's what I said. Um, and I really believe that. And, and you probably are seeing this in your own offices and with your own customers also, that it really was a, a necessary but insufficient idea in the, in the workplace. And by the way, nobody from our marketing team is here right now. When I told them this topic, they were like, you can't talk about that. We just spent the last two years putting white papers together on the hybrid workplace. I said, yeah, they're great. But now we need to go further. We need to carry that idea farther and, and really bring in uh, what is often referred to as the intentional workplace. Is, have we heard that term, the intentional workplace? Or have there been 17 sessions on this? All right. Okay. Uh, yes, yeah, 16. So it's, it's a really interesting idea. But one of the problems I have with the hybrid workplace, unlike, I'm sorry, the intentional workplace, unlike the hybrid workplace, there's not a good standard definition that we all can look at and go, that's it. That's the intentional workplace. So I kind of had to look around and see what I could find, and maybe this will resonate with you and maybe it won't. But it was uh, the idea of creating an experience that allows people to bring their best selves to work, however they're doing that. So really looking back at the, the very first criticism that I put up about hybrid, where uh, I was talking about a minefield of unfairness. If you're working in an environment that you think is unfair for whatever reason, you're not bringing your best self to work. If you're taxed emotionally or mentally, you're not bringing your best self to work. So the, high, the, the intentional workplace is really thinking about how to bring your best self to work. Now look, this is a big complicated problem, and we're a software company. So uh, I, I used to work with someone who had a great expression. He said, when you're a hammer, every problem's a nail, right? Okay, we're a software company. We're gonna address this from a software company's perspective. I'm not saying this is a complete solution for the, uh, the intentional workplace. This is a contributor to getting to an intentional workplace by gathering the data about what's happening in your office. So what we're gonna talk about are two things. A seamless digital experience to help people engage before, during, and after, 
coming into the office. And then we're going to talk about how that feeds into a continuous improvement cycle so you can take the information about what's happening in your workplace and make constant small improvements to keep driving the process forward. I'm going to steal a little bit from the last slide here. The, uh, the intentional workplace is, is a journey. Right? It's not a single destination. And here's the really bad news. It's different for everybody. Your intentional workplace is not the same as mine. It's going to be based on your culture, your company, your product, what you're doing. There's a lot to think about here. But if we're going to be successful together, we really have to think about these things. And, and it really, we're going to take the data and we're going to move from a work or an office-centric design to a human-centric design. All right. Whew, I'm almost 10 minutes in and I haven't even started yet. Okay. I'm going to have to talk fast now as we go through this together. <laughs> All right. So I mentioned that we we're going to talk about the, this digital experience before, during, and after people come into the office. This is really important. If you're going to make the investment to come in, if you're going to, you know, if you're, the company has to earn your commute now, you've probably heard that term recently, that the workplace has to be a magnet, not a mandate. These are all the, the things that we're all hearing together. If you're making this decision, you might sit down and think about what am I going to do when I'm going to come into the office? Well, sometimes I want to know more about the space. So I need to have a technology platform that will help me make an informed decision based on what the space looks like, the amenities, the attributes. I might care about uh, the reviews of the space. Hey, what's going on with the different work areas of the workplace? I might care about who's there and where are they sitting so that if I'm thinking about coming in on Thursday, I can look and I see, hey, Brett's coming in on Thursday. I'm going to sit close or far, depending on how we're getting along, uh, to Brett, so that we can work together. Um, this is a real big one. This is something that, uh, for those of you who, who know Tango, uh, Tango uh, acquired a company called AgileQuest earlier this year, which is uh, where I came from. And a big focus of AgileQuest as an organization was driving collaboration in the workspace. And how do we drive collaboration pre-pandemic? Uh, we were really thinking about this. And it became even more important during and now after the pandemic. But the idea of team and locating team and understanding you know, there, it's a little hard to read, I'm sorry, but there's messages here about who, when I'm coming in, who's, where I'm going to sit, how long I'm going to be there, if I'm not coming in, what's going on. Help connect me to the people that I want to work with if I'm going to come in, if I'm going to do this. Um, of course, there's also mobile. Those other pictures were, were web-based, but it's, you know, obviously there, there's mobile aspects to the solution here. Okay, so these are helping me inform my decision before I come in. When I come into the workplace, I want to have a very low-touch, no-touch experience with the technology. The technology shouldn't be in my way. This is the, the constant problem that we as technologists have. It's if the technology is in the way that you failed, but the technology has to be all around you so that it's constantly collecting information. There's low-touch ways of doing this. This is uh, one of our partners that we work with really closely, Crestron, their occupancy sensor and their signs and, and digital signage and QR codes. So there, there's... I, this is, uh, someone asked me, what are you going to talk about in this presentation earlier? And I said, it's going to be like skimming a rock across a pond. There's so much information that I would love to share with you. I just don't have time to do it all, so please come see us. Uh, I'd love to talk more about this. Uh, but this is the one that I think is the most rapidly adopting, adopted uh, area of technology for us right now with our customers. It's moving to what we've called an open presence listener uh, standards-based platform where we're bringing in access control information, network information, uh, geofencing, sensors, all of these things are feeding into our system on a constant basis. Uh, based on the type of technology, we're getting, you know, some, sometimes we're getting the who, but we're getting the where and the when. So we're getting a very, very rich data picture 
uh, for what's going on in the workplace. And all of that is feeding into what I'm going to pass over to Brett here so that we can talk about what do we now do with this data. We all know that collecting data is not the problem. Does anybody have a problem collecting data? There's a lot of data out there. Collecting it's not the problem. What do we do with it, Brett? Thanks, Torrance. I guess in summary of that, we want to make sure that whole first part was about making it easy for the employees when they come in, make sure it's easy to use. Can you hear me better now? All right. That's to be really close. Okay. <laughs> um, anyways, in, in summary for me, what Torrance was just going through there, whatever tool you implement to, to book reservations, to view floor plans, to see where people are sitting, if it's not easy to use and intuitive um, and more of a one-touch situation, the people won't want to use it. So it could be a detriment to bringing people that back into the office. And obviously that whole portion, too, doesn't talk anything about the amenities that you may be offering at the office. This was strictly based on the technology being used to uh, either come to the office, find where a person is, find out to get somewhere, and so forth. But now we're going to talk a little bit um, about my topic, and I guess that's more on the improvement side. So we want to gather all this data, and if you don't make changes, you're not going to um, make it better, right? Um, the whole point of this is to make people want to come to the office, enjoy being there, make it easy to be there. One of the first things on the continuous improvement uh, framework would be the people, right? So whether it's badge data, whether it's the presence integration that Torrance was mentioning, which in our mind that is the, the best one out there because people can tailgate coming into the office, and uh, there's other reasons, um, just badging and others doesn't work well. But that presence, anyone who logs in at the office, you know they've been there. Because what we're ultimately wanting to get out of this is utilization. Who's coming in when? How many people? And so forth. So just two screen captures I have up on the screen. The right one is a dashboard from a badge kind of entry or a presence entry. How many people came in? Who came in? Which departments? What type of seats are they allocated? Are they dedicated employees coming in? Are they reservation employees? Or maybe uh, you know, more of the hybrid like a... Uh, um, uh, flexible areas, neighborhoods, things like that. A lot of people call them. Which days of the week are people coming on? Uh, and then being able to color code the floor plan. That's a heat map on the left-hand side, just showing bright red, hey, this space is used a lot. White, in my particular configuration, means no one's been in in the last 30 days. So some of the decisions you can make from this are, you know, the X department isn't coming in at all. If they have dedicated seats, maybe we should take those back and reallocate them to a different type of seating. If everyone's coming in two days of the week, what can we do? to drive attendance on the other days of the week so we can level it out a little bit more. The last thing we all want is everybody comes in on Wednesday. We all know what that means. We need a seat for everyone. We're no better off than we were before. You need exact square footage, um, which kind of a tidbit. Most of our customers at this point are not getting rid of space. I'd love to hear maybe afterwards what, what you guys are doing. But for the most part, we're seeing people keep the exact same square footage, renewing leases, still not using spaces, still not using entire buildings because they're unsure about where they're going to go in the future. Well, gathering this data will help fill in some of that and maybe help you make some of those decisions. <clears throat> the next one is type of space. The on the right-hand side up here is uh, one view, and it's basically by day, and it's by type of space. So it can be an individual space, space 100, or perhaps it's looking at data like we have a, you know, a, a technical cube one, and that has dual monitors, and it has a docking station, and this, that, and the other. Well, being able to track what's in each space and where people are gravitating towards when they're using that space tells you, as an improvement, well, maybe we need to get rid of those offices and roll out more of the, maybe people like the lower 
cubes, maybe they like the collaboration areas better, but being able to track that data here, this can be based on reservations, it can be based on sensors, there's a ton of different ways to get this information in, but tracking it's key, and again, deciding which type of space your people like, which people are they attracted, which spaces are they attracted to, because it might not be spaces, it might be amenities within the individual space, like the dual monitors and such. The next one that I have up here on the right-hand side is it's a little difficult to see, but it's tracking utilization by type of space. This is a category to me. One category is dedicated seating. There's a, there's a specific utilization for people that are dedicated a seat, and I want to keep an eye on that because if they don't come in at all, they really shouldn't have a dedicated seat. Um, the next one over is, is flexible areas. That's the neighborhoods where 10 people are assigned to four desks. How are they utilizing that? Are too many people coming in? If too many people come in, and there's not enough desks, they'll be frustrated and they won't want to come into the office. Um, and then two others, shift. Some of our customers are doing shift management uh, and the other is reservation. So those ones that are hoteling desks that people either walk in and use or preferably use a tool to do it so that you can get the reporting from it. And from that, on the left-hand side of the screen is just an example of um, a dashboard that happens to be within Tango. And you can analyze if I took away... 15% of our dedicated spaces and split them amongst uh, reservation seats or neighborhood seats, how many people could I fit within the office? So again, tracking utilization is key to be able to help make decisions moving forward. And the last one is, is, I guess, maybe more big picture, and that's tracking overall occupancy, utilization, and costs. So costs do play a role in this as you're making your decisions. Um, are we using the offices that are the most expensive effectively, or are we using the ones that are inexpensive and so forth? So um, keeping an eye on individual offices, what the utilization is by office, what the forecast is for growth within uh, that office from a headcount perspective, um, and things like that might make you make decisions about where we should should actually be located as a company. So maybe potentially shutting an office, being able to do some analysis within there and see ultimately where our footprint should be in the US. Anyways, those are just some examples of the, the different types of areas that the data can help you improve and hopefully improve the experience from the employees, uh, move towards that intentional workplace, uh, and perhaps save some money as you go. So uh, that's kind of the, the, the end of our presentation. Um, one thing that I'll, I'll hit on again that Torrance mentioned is there's no one right way to do this, right? Just like there was no one right way to do hybrid. How you move down this path, what tools you use, um, you know, what you do with the data depends on your individual company, right? The, the, the industry that you happen to be in, where you are in the country, East Coast, West Coast, or Central. So I don't think anyone's going to be able to say, this is the roadmap for you. This is exactly how you should do it. It is going to be unique to each one of your uh, institutions, organizations, and you're going to have to measure your own data and see how to adjust course based on what your employees are telling you. Yeah, if anyone has any questions, we're happy to answer them. Yes. Is there like an employee privacy issue? So again, the question was, with now that we're gathering so much information about the employees, there a privacy issue? Absolutely, if you have employees in certain countries, right? <laughs> France, Germany, and, and some others. But 
I guess the main thing that as a technology company we've been doing is making sure that the data is secure and there's only very few people that have access to down to the individual person level. Most of it's um, summary information instead of being on, you know, Jane Doe came in on Tuesday. And the only thing I'd add to that is the part that I was talking about earlier about the teams and the connectivity to people and knowing where people are. Those are opt-in, opt-out. Uh, so you certainly can say, hey, I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to expose my, my information like that. Um, obviously, there's a downside because then your team will have a harder time finding you when they want to work with you. Um, but privacy is a concern. And so there are safeguards built into the platform to help manage that. Thank you. So, Torrance, you said, I forgot what you called it, the winning the decision to come into the site. What was the term you used? Uh, earning the commute. Earning the commute. So, is there anything tying in the decisions that would need to be a door-to-door -door decision, like weather, traffic, here's who's going to be in the office that day? Is there anything that's linking all of those in to be able to define that journey to, to win the commute? Yeah, that, that's a fascinating question. Obviously, we were thinking about it from the in-office experience. Um, I wasn't thinking about the broader question that you just raised. Um, and our focus, as I said at the outset, is, is about trying to enable continuous improvement in the workplace. Uh, but there are many factors. I think that plays to one of the, the quotes about the, the additional stress that the, the hybrid workplace inadvertently put on people. You know, we thought the hybrid workplace was going to be a solution to help people come back easier more effectively, more productively. Um, but in, in many cases, it's, it's ended up causing stress. So I don't know, Brett, if you have any other thoughts on that one. Um, and I think we are well, just slightly over time. Thank you so much for giving us your time today. We'd love to talk more if you're interested.